Thanks, everyone, for joining us for Season 2 of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy, and I'd like to introduce my partner, my friend, and the most talented, Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy. Thanks for that introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we are the personalities behind Branded Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. We're very excited today to introduce our guest, uh, our new friend, Mr. Andrew Feigenson, CEO of Personica, which you may or may not know, or may be probably more familiar with, is formerly known as Fishbowl. Following in the theme of season two of the podcast, Andrew's another industry expert who has successfully merged his backgrounds in hospitality, technology, and finance, and we can't wait to get this conversation started. Andrew, we're going to let you take the lead. Give us a little background on yourself and, of course, your company, Personica. Great. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, knowing I was going to be doing this, I've had a lot of caffeine this morning so I can keep up with you. Um, so hopefully hopefully that shows through. A uh, little bit of background on me. Um, I have spent the better part of uh, my career uh, uh, transforming businesses. I'm naturally a problem solver. My mind essentially runs constant simulations all the time, and that led me to start off a career in uh, consulting until I got sick of telling people what to do and not actually doing anything myself. And at that point, I moved into uh, running uh, different groups uh, for private equity uh, and then ultimately found myself uh, at nine years at a company called Nielsen, reinventing some of their businesses. And most recently, uh, I've been with uh, private equity firm Symphony Technology Group, uh, which owns uh, Personica, as you said, formerly known as Fishbowl. Uh, and as a matter of fact, until yesterday, uh, we were known as Fishbowl, and uh, we were essentially a 20-year-old company that I would say is synonymous with the e-club. It was really the go-to company when a restaurant needed an email list. Uh, I joined in April, and uh, you know we have been aggressively rolling out a full suite of marketing products like CRM and loyalty programs and uh, price optimization services. And uh, since we were taking a much more forward-looking view of the industry, we knew it was time to change what we were doing. And so we are now Personica. Andrew, thank you so much for that. And we are thrilled that you're caffeinated. Uh, always, a good, always a good way to work with uh, Shatsy and myself. Uh, before we do a deep dive into Personica, uh, there's been a common theme this season of guests who have successfully combined their backgrounds in hospitality, tech, and finance. And, and I'd really like to kick off with, tell us how you transitioned from, from tech CEO um, and now into hospitality marketing CEO, because that's no small transition, but maybe you can share with our audience a little bit about that. Yeah, well, it started uh, in April uh, when a friend of mine said it was a good time to get into the hospitality industry. And I'm just joking on that clearly. Um, <laughs> but, I was going to um, say, boy, was he an idiot. Yeah, well, well yeah, <laughs> I was not that bright. Um, no, the truth is, I, uh, so I, would be, I mentioned, you know, uh, Personica is owned by Symphony Technology Group. I actually was recruited by them to run a sister company called Simmons. And actually, a lot of marketers know uh, Simmons. They're uh, a data set which is used to do, um, you know, segmentation work. So you'll you'll create these personas, the Shatsy and the Jimmy personas, and um, and 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 what we were faced with in that transformation was a company that uh, had great data, but it was small. We 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 interviewed twenty five thousand people a year, uh, and so it was perceived as small and old. And, um, and when you have, when you use it correctly, you get these great insights and, and we know 
insights are huge. They change the way we do things, but you can't promise an insight every time. And so the question was, where does that fit into a world of big data where people are obsessed with the concept of machine learning and ROI? And so uh, we were looking for partners and we were introduced to this sister company called Fishbowl. And my whole team fell in love with it because it had everything that Simmons did in it. It was sitting on this immense data set that was made for machine learning. And everything it did was directly in an ROI equation. And so this is a true story. Uh, Simmons was actually acquired by, uh, by uh, a company called uh, GFK. And uh, at the time, Fishbowl was looking for a CEO. And I went to Symphony. I said, um, I'd love to go run Fishbowl. And they said, uh, thanks, but uh, essentially not in these words. You're not good looking enough. You're not smart enough. And we got another guy. <laughs> so they said, no, <laughs> and, uh, and so I stuck around with them and did, you know, so, you know, kind of more of the investment side work. I guess the sub Jimmy's uh, Jimmy spends a lot. The finance guy spends a lot of his time on. Uh, and then in April, they came back and said, um, how would you like to come in now? And I did say, I think it's not a great moment. And they said, <laughs> no, it's not. And of course, being the, the, the problem solver that I am, that appealed to me. And I, and I jumped in in April. The other uh, guy so, they hired jumped ship already because he knew it was a horrible idea. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> you clearly smarter than I was. <laughs> Shatz and I have been doing this so long uh, in terms of being in the hospitality business that anytime someone's coming into it, we first look and say, are they crazy? Um, yeah. no, it's a business we love. Um, and sometimes we yeah. feel that uh, you, you don't you don't come to it. It, it just kind of consumes you and and, and you can't get it out of your, uh, your DNA. Listen, I'll tell Andrew, you one funny story on that too, though, is yeah. I have a very good friend who was in a, in a similar boat before before I was, she had uh, she'd been running a, a nonprofit for a decade, and and you know took a little time off in between things to figure out what she wanted to do. And now uh, this was uh, and just about the time I was going to take my kind of intercompany role with uh, with Symphony, she uh, she told me she decided she was going to go into the hospitality industry with a guy named Danny Meyer. And I, and I, I was like, well, who is that? I don't know who that is, is, right? And of course, uh, when I ended up joining Fishbowl, uh, you know, uh, 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 about a, you know, nine months later, I went back and said, wow, you're in a good spot. So <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. And Danny, if you're listening, uh, we're going to introduce you to Andrew because it sounds like you guys should get yeah. to know one another. Um, now, listen, there's nothing quite like being thrown uh, into the fire. And in this case, um, in, in all seriousness, this has been a Category 5 storm uh, in terms of the COVID crisis. Um, and uh, it's hitting many industries um, hard. I don't know, I'm not trying to compete for the biggest loser here, but I don't know if it's hitting um, any industry as hard as the, as the hospitality or specifically the restaurant business. So you, you literally became CEO of a company in the midst of a pandemic, having never met a single one of your employees in person. So can you share with us uh, how that's been for you? You mean this isn't normal? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I have actually, I met one employee once for about 10 minutes at a conference and we didn't know we were going to end up working together. So that was about it. But other than that, I haven't met anybody. Um, and yeah, it's been an interesting moment. I met the team. We apparently have an incredibly gorgeous office in Alexandria, Virginia. I've never been there. I've never met a single client in person. Uh, you know, and, um, and, and I'm doing this in, in, a, in an era where you're trying to transform culture. Um, you know, what I will say is in some ways it's been easier, right, and, and, and more intimate, right? Uh, I don't have to commute to Virginia every week, which gives me a lot more time. But more than that, I've met my team's families. I've met their children. 
you know, my favorite story, uh, one of our, our clients, a CMO of a pretty, pretty good sized uh, restaurant chain, I ended up speaking to her in a garage because her family had kicked her out because she spoke too loud. <laughs> I mean, so you get these very intimate experiences. And I, I think for us that, you know, I, I think that culminated in, in a holiday party we held where, uh, you know, typically you would have a holiday party and you'd have a you know, a bunch of people in the local offices do their thing. Well, we had about a third of our companies in India. We had them join. And at like 10 a.m. Eastern time, we had, you know, we had drinks together. <laughs> and uh, we had these different chat rooms and going in uh, Zoom rooms. And, and so in a lot of ways, the team has become closer. Um, you know, the hard part for me, honestly, has been, you know, when you're reinventing, there's a lot of, uh, of, of whiteboarding sessions that happen. And that's been really tough. And, uh, you know, and then there's just the intangible going out for a beer after work that, I, that just doesn't quite happen. So that's for sure. Yeah. And the most part, I think those are and there are moments, to be honest, where you look at yourself in the middle of your 10th Zoom session of the day and you see yourself in that little window, which I finally figure out how to sh you know, shut off. And you think, am I just watching TV all day? Right. So yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's been the other piece that, you know, you got to recharge every once in a while. Andrew, as operators uh, on the restaurant side, we've been using Fishbowl for years. Uh, maybe, maybe even one of the uh, earlier uh, customers of Fishbowl. I remember using Fishbowl, learning about it in its infancy stages. Literally, there was a, uh, it was like a kiosk in uh, in vestibules of restaurants where you would type in your email address to learn more or get onto the restaurants, um, you know, email marketing. And there was a kiosk inside the vestibule and you type in your email and push, you know, save or send. And, and that's how you get onto their, their marketing program. I know Fishbowl for, for everyone in, in, in the restaurant space, you know, uh, dating myself a little bit, having a fishbowl, literally a glass fishbowl at the front desk or the host stand, and you would drop your, your business card into the fishbowl. And maybe there'd be like, uh, you know, win a win a free lunch or something if you put your business card. And that's how we would obtain um, uh, people's information. And I guess that's uh, how Fishbowl, you know, came to be with its original name. And it, it made a lot of sense. So um, now Fishbowl is is Personica. So why the Brie brand now? Why the change? And, uh, you know, it's 20 years later. Can you give me a little a little background on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I'll start off by saying, you know, every time I do these transformations, uh, you you tend to start with looking for these embedded mindset, these things that that uh, you know, a company or 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 you know, a business overall holds dear to themselves or or has internalized that end up holding you back. And look, Fishbowl was the darling of the industry for a long time. Then it went through a dark period, and 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 there was really two of them. Uh, one of them was uh, uh, this the, uh, having having had a number of false starts in a lot of ways. The company just didn't believe it could develop product as quickly as as it should. Um, and the other one was that it had grown up as being this. Um, and, and I guess I guess to start there on that one, you know, I, I give you an example. You know, one of the first meetings I had with a client was somebody who looked at me and said, "You're the fifth CEO I've met. Why should I believe a word you're going to say?" And I said, "You shouldn't." I should deliver. I should deliver to you. You should tell me you're going to fire me if I don't deliver a stellar product to you in three months. And uh, and that became my commitment. And I, if this person is listening to it, they'll know exactly who they are. Uh, I said three months uh, to the day that I joined, we were going to launch a stellar platform, uh, which now we call Engage. We did it three months and three days, I guess, um, to the day. Uh, and uh, and that, that ended up being a huge success. It was the first major product launch the company had done in about four years. 
And, um, and, and we weren't satisfied there. We decided that uh, that was a starting point, but we, we made a commitment from there to say that we were going to um, pursue a philosophy we call high product, uh, high velocity product innovation. Uh, and uh, from there, we just started rolling. And at this point, we're, you know, we, we gotten rid of that limiting factor. But the other piece was, was much more about the origins of the company. And that was uh, this concept of being an email service provider, which, as you know, was, was the starting point. Um, and, you know, the market had, had moved in different directions where and to start with, you know, for example, having loyalty programs. And, um, and, and we knew we had to get there. Like it was, it was and, and the company for a long time believed it shouldn't be doing loyalty, that email was more powerful. The point was our clients were requiring it of us. So we said, all right, we're going to launch a loyalty program and, and adopting this high velocity innovation concept. We knew we could launch that in about three months. Thing is, it didn't seem exciting. Like I wasn't going into this to launch the new version of a punch card. That seems like the new version of a fishbowl to me. And so uh, in one of these kind of, uh, you know, uh, sessions where we were just ideating, we realized that, that we were building towards the past, if that was all we were going to do. And, and, and in fact, since February, this whole industry has changed radically. The, 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 the massive move to digital ordering channels, whether it's online ordering or delivery. And, and, and when, you, when you look at any other industry that's gone through that kind of change, and this industry has done it so much quicker because of all the things going on this year than a lot of others, whenever you see an industry go to make that digital change, inevitably it leads to a great deal of personalization. And, and, and we realized our true north was going to be much more about creating that personalization at scale so that restaurants could look a little bit more like e-commerce. So we took that concept and we started going back out to our customers and sharing it. And they were, the, and, and, and I'm proud to say, it, I, I know most of our customers and, and they, they responded extremely well to it. But the comments that came back were doubting in some ways based on fishbowl as a concept. And similarly, we go to some customers that used to work with Fishbowl and didn't anymore. And one of them actually looked at the new platform, looked at what we were doing and said, this is exactly what we want, but I don't know how I would ask a management team to go back to Fishbowl. And so we knew a change was needed. And uh, to make a long story short, we ended up pitting AI against humans to create a name and the AI won. <laughs> nice. I, I love that. And I especially love um, uh, the exchange you had with that client of yours. You know, Shatsi and I believe that necessity, not we believe it, I think it's pretty well understood, but necessity is the mother of all innovation. And and you you basically put yourself on your own, uh, under your own pressure, your own timeline to deliver. And it sounds like that's going to be a great relationship and a story I, I hope you'll be able to tell for a long time as your company continues, uh, you know, on its new trajectory. You know, we, we believe this is certainly the time for tech. Um, um, and it branded, you know, three years ago, uh, we, we felt it was uh, something that we had to embrace more fully and so much so that we launched a whole new company and strategy around uh, exploring technology. You know, as it comes with the pandemic and before our audience rolls their eyes at me, uh, let me finish the sentence. Um, you know, we feel the pandemic hasn't changed anything but it has accelerated everything. You know, five years of tech acceleration, um, you know, in a matter of five months. So it seems, you know, only fitting that during, you know, this crisis, um, you know, the time for Personica uh, has released its first new product in four years. Um, and we, we know this is just the start of things to come. You know, you highlighted or touched on, I should say, high velocity, your high velocity strategy um, that you've implemented. 
Um, how has it been, you know, adopted and adapted by your longstanding employees? Um, change is hard. Chats and I know that firsthand in our own stores. Uh, but how about for you, um, your own employees adopting and adapting uh, this high velocity strategy? Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 been interesting, right? On the heels of Engage, like I said, we knew we had to keep on innovating, and it, it couldn't be a one-off, right? We had to keep on going. And uh, so, uh, you know, we came up with this concept of high-velocity product innovation. And, and for us, that meant a few things, right? One was this commitment to our, our customers. And we, we actually put this on all of our decks, all of our quarterly business reviews, that we commit to releasing at least one new meaningful product feature or function every month. Uh, we, we added on to that that we would start notifying our clients by email every month of what had happened in case they missed it, what was happening in the future that was uh, uh you know, in terms of direct feedback to uh, a lot of the clients I'd spoken to said that we weren't communicating enough. Uh, we started, we committed to socializing our roadmaps and every quarterly business review and, and actually including clients in our process, right, in our innovation process. They're opening up these charter programs so they can come in and work with us on it. And so we outlined this as a goal and exactly what you said, Our, you know, there was a good chunk of our team that was excited and there was a good chunk that said there's no way. Right. We've done one product release in four years. How are we going to do something every single month? And um, and uh, what, we forced the issue a little bit. Right. And, you know, to be honest, I think every time you go through uh, one of these transformations, you set a goal like that. Some people opt out. Some people say, I, I, I don't know if I'm into that. And the people who remain end up taking up these uh, you know, much bigger leadership roles. And um, and and some of the some of the folks kind of begrudgingly agreed to, to lean into this. And, and for the first two months, it was it was tough, man. Just getting like the first uh, email out from our chief product officer, even just that was tough. Once you get through it for two months, it just starts going. And, you know, this this latest uh, launch that we just released as an example, there were things in there that I thought were going to be at least a month or two out that just appeared. I mean, the team's just starting to, to blow me away with it. So um, it's 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 ta- it's and now I would say it's firmly part of what we do. Um, but there, you know, there's, it definitely takes a bit for people to adapt to it. <laughs> you know, I think you're onto something here and, uh, there's a catchphrase that I hear you talk about a, a lot and that's embedded mindsets. You know, um, when it comes to, uh, technology, hospitality has, has never been a leader. We're always very slow. In fact, Jimmy and I always joke, the only industry, uh, slower to embrace technology, uh, was coal mining, but, uh, <laughs> no doubt digital channels are here to stay. And customer behavior is only moving forward. But do you think that operators will continue to move along with customers? Well, I, I'm not sure there's an option right now, right? Unfortunately, the uh, situation that we're in is going to be um, is essentially forcing the industry to do that, right? I mean, the, the level of um, digital adoption that we've seen in the last right. uh, last nine months, I mean, just, just, been- just with the phone alone, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so I think they're they're going to have to um, we're going to have to adapt to it. But you know, there's a few things that in particular um, that I think have to happen, right? And it's similar to the invention kind of reinvention we've been going through. We, we actually held a, a roundtable, uh, you know, where we featured uh, kind of Rashad Tabakawala, who's if you don't know, who's an incredible thinker, and then Justin Basilico, who wrote the actual Netflix program that figures out what art shows up. If, if you don't know this, like we can look at the same program and, and, and there's a whole bunch of different versions of, of the art that'll show up for that program and he and based on your habits. And he wrote that. And so we got into this conversation and then we had a whole bunch of our, our clients who are marketing or, you know, CMOs at restaurants. 
And this started this whole conversation about, well, well, it's easy for advertising or it's easy for, for Netflix to create personalization because there's no nothing physical about it, right? You have this kind of unlimited inventory, whereas restaurants are stuck with this, um, this uh, reality of kind of bringing food in the back, assembling it and sending out the front door. And, and I think that's the embedded mindset to actually start attacking, right? I think that's actually the piece that holds us back as an industry. Um, you know, just an example, one person mentioned Panera and said, look, uh, if you look at Panera as an example, you know, they only may only have one vegetarian sandwich on the menu. But the truth is they are an assembly line and they have 12 different vegetarian sandwiches they can create. So if they know someone's vegetarian, they'll present that menu instead. Right. That is a reinvention. Right. If you look at some of the uh, virtual brands that are coming out, that is a reinvention. And so, you know, what I think has to happen is we have to really look at. At, at what we're offering to to a guest, is it an experience? Does it have to be you know this concept of food in the back door, sending it out the front door, or are there different ways we can deliver on that experience? And I, I think this is this whole thing is going to force us to do that a lot quicker. And then uh, you know the operators who who get that will do really well. And and look, people are going to go back into restaurants when you know when, when things get better again. And and I'm sure that you know some of the traditional ways we've been doing things will will hold too. But but um, but that reinvention process has to happen a bit. That's great stuff. And I think uh, a great segue into uh, a topic of digitization. If you compare hospitality to uh, other industries, uh, we already talked about how slow we are to uh, embrace technology. Um, uh, but such as you know, retail, finance and healthcare, where there's so much data available today. Why do you think hospitality has been slow, so slow to adapt? And um, why are why are more brands offering customized experience and, uh, for example, suggested ordering based on on my past ordering uh, preferences? You know, uh, you know, like you just talked about Netflix and Amazon, things like that. They 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 recommend a book. They recommend the movie based on my past. You know, Jimmy and I talk about this all the time. We even talk about dynamic pricing. Like, why isn't pricing a change? Uh, according to time of day and day parts, you know, yeah. why is the table on, on Friday night? Why is the menu pricing the same price on a Friday night as it is on a, on a Monday when there's lower, um, you know, need or, 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 or um, you know, usage? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is something that, it's, you know, I struggled with a bit coming into this uh, was really to understand how the industry was a bit different, because clearly my perspective is coming from those, you know, more of the, the, the media or commerce uh, perspective on things. And I think there's there's some structural aspects to it. Um, you know, first of all, you know, we are an industry that's built on uh, kind of two things. One is hospitality and the other one is mass production, depending on what segments you're in. Right. And, 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 and hospitality side of it, you know, it is about these highly personal experiences, but not necessarily being technology enabled. We've invested in people for that, um, you know, for the mass production side of things that didn't seem to lend itself really well to, uh, you know, um, to, to these personal experiences either. And then overlaying that, you have a few other things that are structural, like number one, it has been traditionally hard to identify a, a guest and tie that to a transaction. Right. If you're in financial services, I go into a website, I call a broker. They know who I am. Right. You, right. Here's an identifiable mm -hmm. piece of information. 
Yeah, and then, and you tie that to a transaction, and that just hasn't been the case. The digital world changes that, right? We, uh, you know, we uh, announced a partnership with Olo, who's been a great partner to work with. Where for our clients, we've been ingesting their uh, transaction information, and in some cases, we're recognizing sixty-seven percent of the guests who are coming in, and all of a sudden, you can make really good decisions around that, right? And that's a better guest experience and a better profit as well. Um, Two other things on it, though. I think one of them is um, uh, the the whole uh, nature of budgeting is different, right? And so right. if you go to like uh, Procter & Gamble, you have one huge national or global marketing group. If you want to hire a bunch of data scientists, you have a large you know group to go against. In, in, in restaurants, you tend to have a small marketing team, small central teams, and then you either have, uh, you know, and it's distributed out to local teams or franchisees. So I think... The, the central horsepower is less. Yep. And then um, I think the last thing is just the, the POS landscape is antiquated and fragmented <laughs> more than yeah. I've seen in other places. Yeah, the whole industry is fragmented. You're right about that. Yeah. Hey, Shatsy, Shatsy, how many POSs are there? Like around six, seven? How many are there? <laughs> I, I forget the number. I think it was 356. So you're saying, you're saying I was off. Okay, right. That's right. Yes, I can't get over how many POSs there are out there. Uh, but and, and I, I got to tell you, Jimmy, and by the way, and I still to this day, I mean, this week, I heard another POS. Oh, hey, I've just got a new idea for another POS company. <laughs> keep on coming, man. It always, coming. it always it always highlights the fragmentation. Yeah. Andrew, if it's okay, I think that – and by the way, that was awesome. And I, I want to um, kind of put forward a theme um, – you know, that branded has been, you know, really focused on on behalf of not just our restaurants, but recommending to uh, the restaurants uh, and the groups that we work with, which is just the importance of, of additional sources of revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, something we like to refer to as profits hiding in plain sight. Um, you know, we believe that these should be incorporated into a digital marketing plan. Can you let us know what other services Personica offers or, or plans to offer? I know that um, you guys are, are, are moving mountains quickly, but what do you uh, currently offer as plans to offer? to customers that will help towards the overall profitability. Yeah, so so clearly these these kind of engaged platform does that. But but one thing we didn't talk about that I that we do a fair amount of work in and I think is pretty almost always has a huge ROI on it is we actually do pricing and menu uh, recommendations. Uh, and and again, that was traditionally it was a company called Czar Metrics uh, that had been uh, fused together with with Fishbowl. Uh, at Personica, we, um, we, we have kept what we do there, which is essentially we have these econometric models and we will take a whole kind of a footprint of a restaurant. We can get down to every menu item uh, on every single location and figure out where there's an ability to take price in, 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 or, or organize a menu uh, based on uh, whatever habits are around there. As uh, kind of our new stated goals, Personica, where we aim to go with that is to take that more down to a transaction basis as well. So in a digital world, that should be more dynamic. And exactly to your point, maybe it's Friday, maybe it's a slow day for the restaurant. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. And so, so that should be dynamic at that point. There are clearly, I think, you know, a lot of, um, you know, um, uh, you know, making sure that there's not, you don't build discrimination into systems like that. That's going to be a key topic. But yeah, no, it's definitely not about that. It's more like you just said. It's just on a Friday night, maybe pricing. Could, it's a full disclosure, but maybe a Friday is different than it is on a Monday. Yeah, just because of demand. No different than Uber is doing on on its, its surge pricing, right? If it's snowing out, they'll they'll charge a little more, right? Or maybe it's a rainy day. We know on rainy days, people go out less, right? right. <laughs> but airlines and hotels have been doing it forever. I mean, Christmas uh, vacation. I mean, my flight on Delta is going to be a hell of a lot more than it is in July. 
uh, if I'm going, you know, to Florida. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. That is incredibly interesting, and we're really excited to uh, to continue to see Personica's new product uh, roadmap. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've been adding uh, a new section and talking to operators who've been asking what programs and areas of technology uh, should be included in their tech stack. So what's, what's the most important part of a restaurant's tech stack? So, Andrew, let's play top of the tech stack. What areas of hospitality technology outside, of course, Personica and its CRM, et cetera, what part of a restaurant's hospitality technology tech stack would you recommend as the most important for an operator today? I would say at this very moment, uh, it is definitely around online ordering and delivery, right? I think we I have to agree with you about that. Yeah, we, we see it's, it's been a lifeline. It's not going away. The, um, you know, the companies who've done it right are doing a lot better. And, and a lot of folks who have rolled it out have not taken full advantage of it. So that would be my recommendation. Yeah. Yep, have to agree with you on that. And I still, I still uh, can't believe how many operators are still uh, relying solely on third-party DSPs and not embracing, uh, you know, their own white label solution. Don't get Chatsy started on that. He gets really upset. He goes, he goes to a, if he goes to a restaurant's website and they direct him to one of the uh, the DSPs, he's literally texting me, calling these guys out and saying, "I can't believe I want their food and they're sending me to somebody else." He gets very upset. That that, yes, that and don't pour his uh, wine or water. That's besides yeah, that. Mike, that not <laughs> my don't get him started. <laughs> don't pour his Pellegrino. All right, I'm jumping into uh, our, our our crystal ball moment. Uh, we've had a lot of fun uh, asking our guests to put on their Kreskin or Miss Cleo hat and predict the future. So, Andrew, we're going to ask you: How do you see restaurants and dining two years from now? Because that's a lifetime in this market. But two years from now, in relation to digital marketing and hospitality in general. Well, well, I think it's going to be a little along the lines of a lot of the themes I've discussed, but I think that that uh, that it's going to look a lot more like the way you see Netflix or the way you see Amazon. Um, you know, I if I, I think a great examples of this, like you know, if it, it, you know, when we when we go to a restaurant, we get a great server. The server asks you, "What do you like?" and make recommendations on things, right? Like I should be able to get that for wherever I'm ordering. So I think the whole experience of um, of of how guests you know view restaurants is going to be completely different. A lot of that's going to be fueled by uh, by uh, by the you know the making all these these relationships a lot more uh, personal and you know I'll, I'll give you one more example of that too we have a, a marketing person out in Denver uh, and um, she's got her favorite Mexican restaurant she goes to there's a bartender named Red Red gives her uh, you know tequila every once in a while when she goes in she goes back not because she's getting these rewards it's not that it's like a loyalty program where she's getting a reward on it it's it's the experience of knowing Red and and pe- having people that know her. Uh, she's been doing curbside pickup with this restaurant during the whole pandemic, and nobody knows her anymore. So her her whole relationship with the restaurant has gone away. So right. so you know I I could talk about digital doing the work, but even when you have people involved, there's a, a matter of maintaining a relationship, and I think a lot of that's going to get impacted by the digital aspects yeah. as well. Yeah, let's not let's not lose sight that uh, hospitality is still a, it's a it's a people business. It's it's a touch and a feel, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, listen, we've got the crystal ball moment. We see where we're going. Uh, it's now for the branded quickfire. I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. So don't think too hard. First answer that comes to your mind on the next few questions. Andrew, are you ready? I think so, man. I'm getting, getting nervous now. All right. You might want to have some more coffee. All right. Taking a slug. 
Who would you prefer to play your co-star in a movie, Jim Carrey or Eddie Murphy? Oh, I'd love to say both. Um, I'd say, you know, I think Jim Carrey at the moment, because uh, first of all, I would love to see his faces in person. Uh, and uh, and I think he's going to have a four year run uh, as 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 uh, in, impersonating the president. So <laughs> uh, agreed. Agreed about that. He does a great, great, great Joe Biden. Where are you getting dinner from tonight? Saki sushi. We, we usually do uh, uh, sake, uh, sorry, sushi Sundays. We didn't do it last week, and my kids are, uh, are requiring it. So sake sushi, Forest Hills, Queens. Sushi lovers out there. <laughs> what is your favorite food city in the world? Barcelona. Uh, go down by nice. the port. Yeah, the port area in Barcelona. You get those old tapas bars down there. They are fantastic. Oh, man, I, could, I wish I was there right now. When travel resumes to complete normalcy, where is the first place you want to go? You know, I'd love to give you somewhere exotic, but let me start with Virginia so I can meet my team. Yeah, no. <laughs> Great answer. I like that. Yeah, Virginia. Virginia's for, love, Virginia's for lovers. It is, I was going to say, it's for lovers, man. <laughs> All right, this is the big one. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to a game of schoolyard hopscotch, who would you have the better <laughs> odds of beating? I feel like this is a trick question. Like, were you both professional hopscotch players? <laughs> far, far from. Uh, I, I, I think I, this question is loaded. I think it's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if there's a good way to go. I'm just going to say, I'm going to say Jimmy for now, just because every time you see Shatsy, he's standing and Jimmy's not standing. So I feel like Shatsy. Oh, yes. Constantly yes. warming up. Like, by, by the way, I couldn't agree with you more on that one. I'd say it's a loaded question. You're putting me in a physical contest. I, I think I use, I'm pretty good, but Hopscotch jumping around. No, you got to bet on Shatsy there. Jimmy, in physical, you beat me in most things physical, but yeah. in Hopscotch, I'd have the dexterity. I I, yeah, you're, 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 you're wiry, Shatsy. You're wiry. All right. Listen, Andrew, that was great. And uh, on behalf of uh, Shatsy, myself and, and the whole branded team, we want to thank you so much for joining us uh, for and sharing all your great insights. Uh, we appreciate the hard work uh, you and the team do uh, at Personica, uh, not just supporting the industry at this current time, um, but again, the, the history that you guys have had as a hospitality-centric company has been really great, and, and we appreciate it. To our listeners, um, you know, we want to thank you uh, as well. Uh, we know that there are, are just so many uh, podcast to choose from. Um, and we take it seriously and, and value that you have uh, spent some time with us. Um, so thank you for that. You know, Shatsy, it is hard to believe, uh, hard to believe that we are finishing and concluding today with Andrew, uh, the final episode of season two, but unlike your favorite TV show, 24 episodes, 24 episodes, but unlike your favorite uh, TV show and maybe more like the NBA, we're coming right back. I mean, the last time I looked up at the NBA been picked you know, the, up for another season, you know, the NBA Finals, I thought, was a moment ago, and now they're kicking off the new season. Well, we're kicking off in, in two weeks. We kick off season three. We are very excited, um, and we already have some great guests lined up. Uh, Steve Ellison from AWS, John Rigos from the Orify Brands, Troy Hennicott, founder of Math Ventures, Britta Rosenheim from Better Food Ventures. Uh, who's going to give us uh, a really great, uh, a great opening for us. She is launching the 2021 Hospitality Tech Map on our show. On the show? On the show, baby. Anyway, it's going to be a great yeah. season. So listen, if you haven't uh, done so already, I, I please say, you, know, we're, you know we're approaching uh, like 9,000 subscribers, Jimmy. 9,000? Right. That's not including you and me. Next time I'm going to wear a shirt for the podcast. I've got to dress up a little better here. 
<laughs> All right. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast uh, so you don't miss out on any of these exciting guests and more. Uh, and better yet, and invite a friend uh, to hang out with us the next time. So again, to our friend Andrew, we wish you all great things um, uh, with Personica and everything you're doing. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, to Shatsy, thank you as always as we conclude season two. Uh, this is Jimmy Frischling, your finance guy, signing off, and I'll let Shatsy take us out. Yeah, thanks. It's the restaurant guy, a.k.a. Shatsy, the hospitality hangout. Andrew, thanks again. Uh, and everybody, check out Personica because they are really doing some cool stuff. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Excellent. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Cheers.